And when you pursue God, you pursue what God wants, what are you going to do? You're going to do what God likes. You're going to do what pleases God. Living by faith, trusting God, pursuing God means that you will live a life that pleases Him. Well, I certainly love to share that. I love speaking Romanian, and uh, it's been a couple months, so I might be a little rusty, but uh, John 3.16 is, Fiindcă atât de mult a iubit Dumnezeu lumea, ca dat pe singurul său fiu născut, ca oricine crede în el să nu piară, ci să aibă viață veșnică. Ioan 3 cu 16. Amen. <laughs> uh, one easy phrase you could say uh, in Romanian, Isus te iubește. Jesus loves you. Isus te iubește. That's something, that was one of the first things I learned as a kid. And that's true in every language. Jesus loves you. And we counted a great privilege and honor to serve there. And I want to say thank you, church, so much for your faithful prayers and support uh, these several years. And we counted an honor to serve there in Romania, having the privilege of preaching the gospel to the Romanian people, people who think they are Christian, but most don't even know what that means. They think that they uh, are a Christian country, They don't really know what it means to be a Christian. Most people there grow up Orthodox, very much like Catholic. Um, they go to church about twice a year uh, on Christmas and Easter so they can confess their sins for six months. And they go on and they do whatever they want to do. And they think that, well, as long as I was baptized in the Orthodox church and I get married and buried in the church, I guess I'll be okay. And as long as you try hard and do a good job, then I guess God will be the judge of me. And that's what most people think, and they don't really understand it. The Word of God tells you that we can know we have eternal life, that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that it, salvation is a free gift. You cannot work your way to heaven. And that's the message we preach there, and we thank God for it. I ask you to open your Bibles now to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, and as you begin missions conference this year, and that's one of my favorite times of the year is missions conference. It's really a... Some have said it's a business meeting of the church to decide what the church is going to do about God's mission. And um, it's incredibly important. And faith promise giving is a wonderful opportunity, and grace giving is a great opportunity to get involved in God's mission. I'd like us to read just two verses. We'll start with just two verses. And uh, well, actually, we're going to read on down through verse number 12. So 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. Is your custom, Pastor, to stand for God's word reading? Or, if we could all stand to, and for the honor of God, reading of God's word, we'll read 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verses 1 through 12. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so we would also, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. 
For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may, all, so may, so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to he hath not, to that he hath not. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your wonderful grace. And Lord, how abundant it is. It's a never-ending resource because it flows from you. Lord, I pray you'd bless this service. May your hand be upon us all. I pray you'd help me to say only the things that are pleasing to you. Bless your word, I pray. May it speak to our hearts. And Lord, may we not just be hearers of the word, but doers also. And Lord, I pray that you'd work in our hearts, that we would understand what we ought to do about what we hear. Lord, I pray that you would bless us all now tonight with readiness of mind and a willing heart to hear and receive we have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to talk briefly for a few moments about the necessity of faith promise, necessity of grace giving. And why is it necessary? Why is it such a good thing? And I'd like us to notice verses 1 and 2, first of all, an introduction here as Paul begins to talk to this church at Corinth. Now, we didn't know anything about the church of Corinth. It was a bit of a wealthier church. It was a more well-to-do church. They had a lot of material things. They had a lot of blessings. And then he reminds the church there in Corinth about the churches in Macedonia, which are in the north part. I had the privilege of going to Macedonia, uh, was it two years ago now? Last year, two years ago? One year ago? Yeah, I forgot when I went. <laughs> we went to Macedonia near the area of Thessalonica. That's a really beautiful area. And Philippi and Thessalonica are two cities in the area of Macedonia. So he's speaking to the Corinthians who are down in Achaia, who are west of Athens, saying, hey, you need to know about these folks up in Macedonia, how God's grace worked in them. It was bestowed upon the churches. And hey, I want to see the same grace in you also. This is something that's replicable. You can experience God's grace too. It's not just for those people over there. God's grace works everywhere. Amen? So I want God's grace. I want to see it working in that place too. He says the grace was bestowed on the church. But notice what he says, verse number two, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. They had deep poverty. Now, North America is a blessed place. North America, there are a lot of nice things. There are people who are in deep poverty in North America, in Canada, United States. And there are people who are in deep poverty around the world. And perhaps we've seen in some missionary presentations or on the news, you see people who live in deep poverty. They live in difficult circumstances. Perhaps you, at one point in your life, were in deep poverty and you experienced great need and you went through a great trial of affliction and you went through something very difficult. The circumstances were not good. Notice here for the churches in Macedonia, the circumstances were not good. We've all been perhaps in situations that weren't good. Have you ever been in a circumstance that wasn't good? And you wonder what in the world is going on? How am I going to get through this? But what does a difficult circumstance usually teach you? teaches you the value of certain things. When you go without things, you realize, you know, it was really nice to have that before. 
and you value things, you begin to understand things. Perhaps you understand other people who are also in the same circumstance or situation as you. You begin to understand something. So their circumstances were not good. It was a time for faith and a, and a need for grace. But notice something. The churches in Macedonia, they went through great trial of affliction. So what was the purpose of this gift here in 2 Thessalonians, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8? Why was Paul talking to the churches, and what was he trying to do? Well, he had talked to all the churches that he had been to in Greece and in that area, and he said, we're going to give a gift, and I'm going to take it to the saints in Jerusalem who are going through a very difficult time. This gift was not given necessarily for missionaries on the field. It was given to help poor believers who were in Judea and to continue on in their work there. So he was going to bring a gift to the Jews, in Judea, who were going through a very hard time. They had been suffering. They had been persecuted. They were also in deep poverty. They had been going through a hard time. The situation was not good. So I'd like us to notice here in verse number two that we can see from this passage that the churches in Macedonia understood something. They understood the need. They understood the need. Tonight I'd like to ask you a question. Do you understand the need? Do you understand what the need is tonight? What is the need of Faith Promise Missions? It is the need to bring the gospel to the uttermost parts. The need is there, and it's with people who are lost and on their way to hell. That is the need of the hour. The need is to bring the gospel, the light of the gospel, to those who are lost. How many of you were lost at one point? Well, that's all of us. <laughs> at one point, we weren't saved. At one point, we weren't on our way to heaven. There was a point in time, perhaps, in your life when you were living in sin and you weren't walking with God and you didn't know the Lord. You didn't know that if you were to die, you would go to heaven. You didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There was a point when you were in that same position. There are people today in your community and around the world who are in that position. They have a need. Do you understand the need? Understanding the need opens your heart to get involved. So what is the necessity of faith promise? What is the need? Once we understand the need, our hopes, our hearts are properly motivated. This church is in Philippi understood the needs of the church in Jerusalem. They understood it. Hey, I know what you're going through. I know what you need. I understand. I want to help you. I want to be able to help you because I can understand what your need is. The church in Philippi came from a place of persecution and understanding a trial of great affliction. The gift they were giving was to help the brethren in Judea who were enduring something similar. Then they had riches of liberality. Riches of liberality. In other words, they were willing to give what they had, whatever they had. They said, you know what? If we got it, if they need it, we're willing to give. And then Paul says, to their power and beyond their power. So what were they doing? They were showing and demonstrating love. Their situation, their circumstance taught them and helped them to understand the need. Hey, some brethren are going through what we are going through. And they demonstrated a willingness and liberality not seen in other places. Have you ever been humbled by a gift before? I have. It's humbling when someone who you know has a need and God works in their heart and they give you something. Or you see them used of God to give something to someone else. You know they have a need. You know perhaps that they're struggling to feed themselves or they're struggling in, in very different ways. But God puts in something on their heart and then they get involved and they give and they sacrifice. And you say, man, that's a humbling thing. 
to see God use them in that way. They showed a willingness and a liberality. They were, their hands were not clutching their things so tightly. You're not getting it out of my hands. No. Their bad circumstances opened them to experiencing God's grace. Their circumstances opened them up to demonstrating grace. So the result of grace, they did something about it. Notice, moreover, brethren, we do to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. I'd like us to open briefly to James chapter number 2. James chapter number 2. Notice what James says here, verses 14 through 17. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Faith promise, I see a need. Worldwide evangelization. I understand the situation. People are lost. I once was lost. I get involved. I give from what I have and trust God to meet my needs and then give again. So verse number three, as we read it, going back to 2 Corinthians chapter number eight, yea, to their power. So they were willing of themselves. They were willing beyond what they had the ability to give. These church members would have probably sent their own clothes to help the brethren in Judea. They gave more than Paul thought they would be able to go. They sacrificed. They gave. They would not take no for an answer. Verse number four, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Paul probably said, no, hold on a minute. <laughs> what are you doing? You folks have so many needs right here where you are. I can't take this from you. No, you have to take it from us. We sacrificed for this. We gave for this. We want to help. You have to take the gift. And Paul probably put up a little bit of a fight. No, no, no. Listen, God can use this right here where you are. You folks have such needs, and they would not take no for an answer. They prayed with much entreaty that they would take it. Why? Notice their motivation at the end of verse number four, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. They wanted to take part in the work. Their gift was a fellowship. They wanted to be part of it. They were motivated to action, and it was a big gift for them. Verse number five. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves unto us and uh, unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. This is a really important verse. So why is faith promise missions giving necessary? Why is faith promise necessary? What about it is so important? And I really believe it deals with a growth of your faith. Growth of the Christian faith. They first gave themselves unto the Lord, verse number five. Think about that for a minute. They didn't have much, but when the offering plate came by, they put themselves in it. Verse 5, they gave themselves unto the Lord. Their own selves unto the Lord and unto us by the will of God. They said, God, with all of who I am, I want to be used by you to help meet this need. And this is faith. Let's go to Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. I love this passage. And I've studied this recently and and notice something that, as an preacher, you learn new things all the time. We always learn things in the Word of God. 
And even as you grow in your faith, I'm sure perhaps some of you have read your Bible maybe 50 times. The 51st time you're like, man, I didn't see that before. You learn something new all the time. Notice verses 5 and 6. These two verses are connected. But by faith, Enoch was translated that he should see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Notice what it says, that he pleased God. How did Enoch please God so much? What was different about Enoch from all the other people around him? Why was Enoch so different? Why was God so pleased with Enoch? Well, verse number six tells us. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So what was Enoch's greatest desire? To please God. What was Enoch's greatest desire? To know God, to pursue God, to fully go after God and say, God, you're what I want. It's you. And I'm going to pursue you. And when you pursue God, you pursue what God wants, what are you going to do? You're going to do what God likes. You're going to do what pleases God. Living by faith, trusting God, pursuing God means that you will live a life that pleases him. And that's what Enoch did. He lived a life that pleased him. But notice now the grace of God. What is the grace of God? Well, that's what God bestowed upon them. This church here did the same thing. Verse number 5, 2 Corinthians 8, 5. And they, this is the first thing they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. That's faith. God, here I am. Use me in whatever way you want. God, here I am. Use me in whatever way you want. That can be a scary thing. Because sometimes there are different areas of our lives where we say, okay, I'm willing to, God tr to trust God with this area of my life, but not so much with this other area of my life. But what did the people in Macedonia do? What did they do? They said, God, all of us, their own selves, all of themselves. They said, God, here we are. We want to do whatever you want us to do. In other words, God, whatever you are pleasing to do, with us. That's what we want, the will of God to be done in our lives. They didn't ask God, what do you want from me? They asked God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with me? Here I am, Lord, and unto us by the will of God. Think about that. After they had given themselves over to the will of God, they then went to the leadership that God had placed over them and said, okay, brethren, what do you need with us? There was a willingness to serve that came after their hearts were surrendered to the Lord. God, we're here to do whatever you want me to do. But that can be scary. It can be difficult. When you know God puts something on your heart and you say, Lord, that sounds crazy. I don't want to go do that. My dad often tells a story about how he was called to missions and how he had to surrender. It's amazing to see how God works in people's hearts. And my dad was in business. He was in... Uh, he worked in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the Piper Jaffrey Tower, and he was working on his way up, had a good trajectory ahead of himself, could have made a lot of money. And the day before he was going to leave for Bible college, or I think the day of, he's getting ready to leave. He gets a phone call from a guy who was, or a, uh, someone working for a guy from New York who was on his way in an airplane to fly to Minnesota to interview my dad. My dad said, I can't make it. Well, why not? I'm moving to... Um, moving to go to Bible college. What? But this guy's coming. Do you know what kind of job this is? God's called me to preach. Oh, you're nuts. 
And the call of God can be scary. It can maybe be leaving where you are, going in a place you've never gone before. But this willingness to serve was in accordance with the will of God. Whatever God's will is for us, we want to be used. And we are here to be used in whatever way that is necessary. It must have been a very humbling experience for Paul and Titus to see these people. But then verses 6 through 12, we see a replicable grace, a replicable grace. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. What does faith promise giving do? It motivates the church and it motivates others to get involved. When you see how God can use you and you give a testimony about how God used you in faith promise giving and you see how God stretched your faith and you see how God used you in a way you thought that was not possible before others might get encouraged to get involved also. Faith promise tests the resolve of your love. Verse number eight, I speak not by commandment but by the occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. It wasn't enough for them just to promise they had to make good on the promise, verse 9 through uh, verse nine through 12. So why is faith promise necessary? And it, it benefits the church. So how so? Well, first of all, it's an opportunity for you to grow in faith and grace. I remember a time uh, in Minnesota, I was single at the point. I, I started off single as a missionary, and I was in Minnesota. I had two weeks without a meeting. I was back at my sending church. And I was sitting in the service on Sunday morning, and I had $538 in my bank account. I remember that. $538. And the Lord laid on my heart to put a certain sum in the offering plate. And when I realized what the sum was, I said, God, I'm not going to have any more money. $500. You only put $500 in the offering plate? Do you trust me? Yes. So that morning, I wrote a check for $500. I put it in the offering plate. I said, well, I got 38 bucks to my name. God's taken care of me thus far. If that's what he wants from me, I guess I should give it. So I put it in. Sunday evening comes by after the service. A man in our church comes up to me and says, are you handy? I said, I hope so. He says, hey, I'm moving my business. And I'm moving from Minnesota to another state, and I need help. Do you know what I do for a living, by the way? I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, okay, so you won't be scared of the snakes. I said, no, I guess not, uh, especially I hope they don't hug me. He raised boa constrictors. He had 900 in his house, and he was moving them. <laughs> He's a boa constrictor breeder, a well-known one. And uh, he had all sorts of cool-looking snakes and, and things like that. So he says, come on, you know, I need some help moving. I said, sure, yeah, I'll come help you. So I show up in the morning. He said, be there at 7 o'clock. So Monday morning, I go there at 7 o'clock. I work the day. He says, uh, takes me out, shows me his property. And he says, so, by the way, he says, how much should I pay you? I said, pay me? I wasn't expecting you to pay me. I says, well, you know, whatever, if I work well, you can pay me whatever you think. You know, if I did a good job, do whatever you want. I'm not expecting anything. Okay, I'll give you 15 bucks an hour. I said, what? Wow. He gave me two weeks of work. It was a lot of work. And I ended up making double what I put in the offering plate. That was cool. I said, wow, God, you blessed. I trusted you. You blessed. And guess what that did for me? It gave me an opportunity to give again. And I was going to give way more than I had given at first. I thought that was pretty neat. An example from a single guy who happened to pick up a random job. But what did that teach me? It taught me that God 
blesses those who pursue him. God is a rewarder of those who diligently pursue him. What does faith promise do? Well, it's an opportunity for you to get involved and grow in faith and grace. It's an opportunity for you to pursue God's passion. It's an opportunity for you to align your desires with God. You live by faith. You seek God. You seek what is pleasing to him. How can you live by faith if you're not pursuing that which is closest to God's heart? 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. John 3.16-17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Faith promise gets the resources necessary to those who need the gospel. It's an obedience to what Christ commanded, and it brings Christian joy and service. It helps you to not love the things of this world. The more you have wrapped up in God's work, the less you have wrapped up in wood, hay, and stubble. Think of all that money can buy. And think about how wonderful God is. He allows us the opportunity to give financially, and God rewards us with rewards in heaven. You partake in the fellowship of the ministry. You're working alongside. Paul talked about it in Philippians chapter number 4. I don't desire a gift, but there's our fruit that may abound to your account. Think about it. When you give to God's work, God sees that. He sees the sacrifice. He loves that. And he blesses, not just in earthly things, but in heavenly things. Why is it so necessary? It teaches your heart something. It teaches the church something. It gives the church a chance to get involved and, and partake in a work that's not here at home necessarily in your Jerusalem. But in Judea or Samaria or the uttermost part of the world, your faith promises had a part in the ministry in Romania. Your faith promises had a part in seeing people saved in Romania, and that is fruit added to your account. That's pretty cool. And when you get to heaven, you're going to get to meet people that were saved out of all the missionaries that you've supported here that you gave to and you sacrificed to. Think about that, how wonderful that is, getting involved in that. The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God told Abraham in Genesis 15 that he was Abraham's exceeding great reward. When your treasure is God, your heart will be where it needs to be. How do you make God your treasure? I shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you see the need? You need faith promise because it helps you grow. The church needs faith promise because it opens the door of grace. The world needs faith promise because it helps fund the gospel. Are you willing to give yourself wholly to God, so holy to God that you are willing to be used of him in any way that he sees fit? If you love God and love people, faith promise will be seen by you as a necessity. I've got to do what I can with what I have, and God, I'm at your disposal. And there's no better or more exciting place than being at God's disposal. And I'm sure that every one who's given or trusted God, you all have stories. And you could tell, man, look at what God did in my heart and in my life. And if you haven't gotten involved, I encourage you, see what God could do through you. Start where you're at. Start with what you can and watch God bless. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.